welcome to the GemCast. I'm your host, Alex Knight, and this is episode 14. Today, I'm joined by Aline Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast, and science fiction writer, Kay Tempest Bradford. In episode 14, the conclusion of the Music Awards, part 2. The Music Awards are fast approaching, and Eric and the Misfits are still campaigning for the award. Jerrica and the Holograms no longer care at this point. They just want Deirdre, Chrissy, and Bonnie to come home. Hopefully, the Haven House benefit will bring them back before a social worker closes Starlight House. But the Runaways are busy trying to help a new friend who's mixed up with some criminals. Eventually, they meet up with Dance, who reunites them with the Holograms. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. All right, so where we left off last week, uh, the three Starlight children died in a horrible, horrible <laughs> accident. It was really and, sad. And uh, the fire department had to show up and uh, clean up the mess. You know, hose and that social worker. Yeah, yeah. He was fired. He was promptly yeah. fired and sent sent back to wherever he came from. It happens. <laughs> in all serious, now all three Starlight uh, kids, or I guess the. Was it two or three? Now I can't remember how many Starlight kids ran away. It was Deirdre, three. Three. Bonnie, and Chrissy. Chrissy, Chrissy right? Yeah. Okay. Well, they did not die in a horrible accident. In fact, they did survive. But they did climb a scaffold, or a, what you called it something. It's like something that holds up the speakers or something at a concert. But essentially, they climbed like some scaffolding and deserved to fall to their deaths. But we're saved. Deserved? Well, wow, that's harsh. They Look, didn't have an adult to tell them that they were being ridiculous. I guess. Because they ran away. Because they because ran they're away. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> the consequences of running away mm-hmm. are you climb some scaffolding and you don't know that you're in danger. But luckily... Many kids do stupid things and end up breaking bones and whatnot. I mean, I broke my arm. When I was, I think, eight or nine years old by jumping off the, the top of the staircase in my house. So, you why know, did you do that? I was dressed, you know, I was dressed as a superhero. I'm like, yeah, I'll just jump off the, uh, I'll just jump off the staircase. And I landed in a really suboptimal way. <laughs> Apparently. Oh Basically, God. it was, it was incredibly traumatic. I'll never forget that because the way I landed w- with my, like arms out first my my right arm popped back the opposite way that it's supposed to go like where your arm bends it snapped it basically like, have you ever seen a steven just, seagal movie where listening. he snaps right? somebody's I arm can't. i can't yeah it was it i basically i i started seeing like black spots and it was just the the pain was so immense that i almost blacked out well that is almost what happened to chrissy but she was <laughs> saved by random <laughs> jay white boy at the last minute. <laughs> yes. After Thank the God. <laughs> after the concert, Danny and the Starlight Runaways are stopped by a ticket scalper, uh, which we saw in part one, and he blackmails Danny to earn the fifty dollars he owes for the stolen tickets. Otherwise he'll report them to the police. In an act of kindness, the Starlight girls offer up twenty three dollars, but Danny decides to own his own problem. Go Danny. Mm. Well, let's not give them that much credit. Mm. The kids follow the ticket scalper back to their home, uh, if you can call it that. And it's a bit creepy because there there are broken windows and garbage around. And it, it just, it looks like the, the two ticket scalpers are squatting because it's just a mess. These are men who live on the edge of society. They live free and by their own rules. And thus they are tragic anarchist heroes yes okay. <laughs> <laughs> i can't argue with that <laughs> they're just really terrible stereotypes Gross. of of dudes who scalp tickets and uh exploit children wait stereotypes on jim and the holograms i know right unheard of wow as unscrupulous as the scalpers seem to be he offers the girls and danny food while he mentions to his roommate that danny is a sucker because he ripped off the concert tickets, so he stands to make pure profit from it. Later at Starlight House, the holograms arrive home after an unsuccessful search for Deirdre, Chrissy, and Bonnie. In part one, we were introduced to Jack Sobieski, a social worker who received an anonymous tip 
of course from pizzazz, about missing orphans. He's waiting for the holograms and demands an explanation for their whereabouts. Ashley interrupts and lies by saying that they're handing out leaflets for the Haven House benefit. Sobieski gives Jerrica a stern warning that if the missing girls don't show up at the benefit, he'll recommend that all of the orphans be placed in new foster homes. Okay. Mm. <laughs> this, is, this is so terrible because look, First of all, this guy, when he shows up, he's like, I hear that three girls are missing. Does he have a list of the girls? Does he mm. know which girls are missing? Does he say, Jerrica Benton, bring all your girls into this room? Because there are a lot of girls at Starlight House. Jerrica just could have been like, what? I see lots of girls. What do you mean girls are missing? They all seem to be right here. Can you tell them apart? There's a black one. Like, I- There's a black one? <laughs> Because there's another black one. There's two black starlight girls. Chrissy is the one that gets all the attention, but there's the other one who always wears orange. There's um, diversity in 1980s Gem and the Holograms. Exactly. And so I, I find it like really hilariously sketchy that he just sort of like, I hear some girls are missing and they're like, oh, they're out. And you're like, which ones? <laughs> you literally could have just brought a bunch of girls in and been like, they're here. Unless he had a list, which he didn't seem to. No. Oh. <laughs> He seemed, he just, he he was completely clueless. Like, so I hear you have some foster children missing. He's not a (laughs) very good social worker, is he? No, he's not. And then he just accepts that explanation. Oh, they're out. He's like, all right, I'll come back tomorrow. What? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) CPS is not doing its job. No. I mean, to be fair, they're overworked, but like, no. Yeah, that, there's no excuse for that. That's (laughs) very questionable behavior. Yeah, no. It's just so terrible. Later on the... Okay, go ahead. Wait, I want to go back. I forgot. We didn't talk about, like, the conversation that Danny has with the Starlight Girls once they are out of shot. Oh, sexism part one? Yes. Because Danny, you know, the Deidre's all like, we found a ring from home. Like, she's super proud of herself. Like, "Mm, it's so exciting. And then, of course, Danny's just like, all right, whatever. But then... He does point out how dumb they are because he's like, why did you run away from home? Was it horrible there? And they're like, well, they did give us three meals a day, buy us clothes. And we did live in a mansion with a pool. And he's like, y'all are dumb. They're like, well, and the rest of the audience is like, yes, they are. But before he says that, he says to them that like, they have to stick with him because it's not safe for girls to go it alone. It's like, excuse me, sir. <laughs> mm-hmm. There's three of them and one of you. And I'm pretty sure the only reason you're alive right now and haven't been like taken away by discount zipper over here is because <laughs> like they stuck with you. So put your sexist nonsense. It's not OK. Yeah. Yep. He mm, Danny then- did not come from a good good household no no he didn't but you know if you're gonna run away to join the plot you could at least not be sexist yes i agree later on on the rooftop of misfits music eric and Techrat prepare the misfits for a little hand gliding mischief they decide to drop flyers to promote the band all over the city which cause oh lord (laughs) which causes a taxi cab driver's vision to be restricted inevitably causing it to crash Right when that happens, we get a music video by the Misfits called You Ought to See the View from Here. What did the two of you think of the song and the video? It's a good song. Yeah, I think I like all the songs in this episode. And it's kind of cool that they're, I don't know, it's its cool and weird. that They're like flying around, dropping flyers, like hang gliding yeah. around. How many weeks or months of hang gliding training did they did they get here? Before, before they had to do this, because I'm uh, pretty sure you can't just get on a hang glider and, you know, expertly glide around the city. At least they did show them, like, getting harnessed in, kind of, as opposed to, like, just hanging on and relying on abs of steel to get them, like, around. They're yeah. not completely reckless. Not completely, but it also is kind of hilarious. Plus, like, Roxy's totally scared. And so, yeah, it doesn't look like they've had any training at all. So it's a good thing that they can sing. The singing keeps them afloat. <laughs> Do you think there. they were singing while gliding? I think they were. Yeah. I think they were. It's pretty great. And it's, you know, I agree. This is actually a really great song. I love the video. I love the attitude of this song because they're like, we're fabulous. And that's awesome. And don't take no stuff from us. 
it's one of my top eleven favorite Misfits songs. Indeed, I agree. I do.、Uh, I do enjoy the song.、Um, the video. I mean, it was okay. I mean, it wasn't. I would say the the best video is fairly unremarkable in what's happening in it. But、uh, but yeah, the song's totally fine. I, I I did enjoy it. Is there anything else that、uh, the two of you want to want to point out about the video, or shall we move on? Not the video so much as what on earth would possess Tekrat to like actually put a laser on Pizzazz's hang glider? Like <laughs> that is an excellent. Excellent question, and、uh, let's let's move on, and, and we'll get to that. I... <laughs> <laughs> Roxy and Stormer land their gliders in the park, but Pizzazz is missing. When Eric inquires where she went, Techrat admits that she's testing his new laser gun. This seems to greatly concern Eric, and I quote from Eric's little、uh, interchange with、uh, Techrat. He says, "Where's Pizzazz?" Techrat says, "She's testing my new laser gun." And Eric says, "You let Pizzazz loose with a laser gun." <laughs> Techrat says, "It was her idea." Like, like, like the best lines ever, because Eric is the only one who realizes what danger they are all in at this moment. But what I don't get, like Techrat has known her for more than like two and a half minutes, so he <laughs> should be aware that this is a royally. Like hugely bad idea. I don't think I could ever make my voice as nasally as Tech Rats. She's testing my new laser gun. <laughs> that's, that's I don't know.、Nasal. That was that's not that、nasal. was not bad. It's pretty close. Maybe if I plug my nose slightly at the top. She's testing my new laser gun for me. Yeah, he, it's it's like、oh, someone、no. out of the Adams family. It's just he's super creepy. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Well, I mean, he sounds a bit creepy. He's definitely socially awkward for sure. I don't think it's intentional. Like he's not trying to be creepy. I'm socially awkward too, but I, I talk not weirdly. <laughs> well, like I said, maybe he's got an adenoid problem. He's got to see a.、Uh, he's got to see a nose doctor. Okay. All right. I just I feel like you and we've talked about this before. Like with Techrat. You know, there are a lot of things that I like about the way he was written. After Tempest educated me, but、um, you know, there's there's just some things that are like, oh well, of course the tech geek has to be like, like really social, socially awkward and weird and agoraphobic, and、um, and sometimes that just it's too much. And I'm like, I can't, I can't deal with you right now, tech rat. Go away. Yes,、uh, Tempest definitely does love educating people. I, I love it when she tells me <laughs> all the ways that I'm wrong. <laughs> Sorry, but、so、no,、funny. I do. No, I, I, I'm in it to learn. Even if it's about Jim and the holograms, I'm in it for different perspectives. But yeah. <laughs> well, we cut to Pizzazz gliding around Starlight Music, and she uses Techrat's laser to engrave a fake mustache on Jim's billboard. Regrettably, things go awry when the misuse of the laser gun causes the billboard to collapse and come crashing through Jerrica's office, putting her and the holograms in harm's way. Now, can we talk a little bit about physics and how destroying that sign has miraculously managed to collapse, fall downwards, and somehow inwards in through <laughs> that office window? That. Just blows my mind. Physics does not exist in this world. <laughs> Physics is a, a magical mystery because what's most important is that anything that Pizzazz does has to directly impact Jerrica, Gem, or the holograms. So of course, like not only does the billboard like come crashing down, but it comes literally crashing into Jerrica's office window. Like, what are the chances of Jericho's office window being perfectly positioned for this felony? We we should have had a physicist come on to talk about. <laughs> apparently, not only, not, apparently not only physics are missing from this show, but also common sense. Because <laughs> Aja says, "What could have caused it?" I think, I think that sums up Jim and the holograms this far. Common sense is missing. Well, Kimber points out that it's got to be the misfits, and Shayna says, "Look, it's Pizzazz." And Shayna seems to be the one that always seems to like understand what's really going on.、Pretty、at、much. least one of them does.、Mm-hmm. I mean, go Shayna. I mean, I can't imagine it. I mean, yeah, at least one of them knows what's going on. I mean, can you imagine if none of if all of them were clueless? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> well, fortunately for Jerrica, no one was hurt, and Jerrica then asks Synergy to create a hologram of an. Abnormally sized. Now I don't know if this is a hawk, or I think Tempest. You you said this might have been a condor. 
I, I don't know my birds all that well, <laughs> but it, this bird looked like it was like 40 or 50 feet long. Right. It's just like some giant fantasy bird that shows up. But I mean, first of all, what is Synergy doing? What, what Synergy? Well, that, is see, that is destroy. the million dollar question. What right. is Synergy doing? <laughs> For a, a computer-generated AI that that is designed to look human, she could have, I don't know, created some pupils for herself? Maybe. Although, she's supposed to be ephemeral and mystical, and, and those types of people don't have pupils. Yeah, well, she's mystical and creepy. <laughs> right? Like She's got those, like, the purple, hollow eyes. I see nothing in there. There's no soul. No soul and also lasers to kill you. So she's going to like... Laser eyes. You think she has laser eyes? She does have laser eyes. We've seen that. And then she's got the power video. She has laser eyes. So she's got laser eyes. She's got lasers that can burn you that we've already decided probably killed a starlight child uh, in the last episode. <laughs> now she's sending giant condors in front of Pizzazz. And Pizzazz is lucky to be alive. Now, granted... Jerick is also lucky to be alive after having a physics-defying billboard come through her window right. at her. So I guess we're even. This is a horror show. I I'm frightened, like, every episode. Yeah, it's, you never, you never know what's going to fall on you next. The dark side of seven hologram. Well, anyways, we uh, digressed slightly there, but this abnormally sized hawk or condor or whatever bird it, it happens to be freaks pizzazz out and causes her to crash down in a pond though pizzazz survives the crash tech rat's laser is destroyed tech rat is not pleased by this and the little interchange between tech rat and pizzazz goes like this my laser look what you've done my beautiful laser you've wrecked it pizzazz says one more word and i'll wreck you <laughs> That was beautifully done. I love these reenactments. They're I do too. <laughs> it's it's the best part of doing this show with you too. Pretty much. Yep. Meanwhile, Danny accepts a request from the ticket scalper to do a job for him. Deirdre, Chrissy, and Bonnie try to help, but Chrissy suggests they ask Jerrica for help. Deirdre decides to follow Danny because he will need their help. So the rest of the Starlight Girls follow him. Cut to Eric and Tekrat, where we see progress being made on the electronic jammer. Eric's plan is to use it at the Music Awards to sabotage the show for Jim and the Holograms. You we'll know, see how that goes. Here's the thing. Eric is such an extra douchebag right now. An extra douchebag. Because he already knows the Jim's not coming to the award show. So the Misfits definitely have this whole award show thing wrapped up. Because Gemma holograms are coming. But he's still going to send Tech Rat to mess up their concert that benefits runaway children. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah, he's a, I mean, we all knew he was a scumbag before. But absolutely, I think this is kind of just taking it one step further. Yeah. And it never, they don't really explain what that's about. It's just like, oh, we're just, because we can. Right. Just, be, just to be an extra extraordinary douchebag today, we're just going to do some stuff to mess up Jim and the Holograms. Good time. Danny is peer pressured into stealing some equipment from a stereo store. Let's pause for a second. Just laugh at the fact that this is a stereo store. Well, you know, I mean, they just the don't 80s. exist. Yes, I know. <laughs> it's just it's just amusing. That's all. Deirdre, Chrissy, and Bonnie catch Danny outside the store and convince him to give what he stole back to the store. And I'm not entirely sure what he sold. It looked like it might have been a VCR, but it wasn't entirely clear. But uh, unfortunately, Mick and Ramon end up intervening, and a police squad car, which just happens to drive by at the right moment, recognizes Mick and Ramon, and they tried to stop them from running off with the stolen hardware. And at that moment, we cut to a Gem in the Holograms music video called Running Like the Wind. No, 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 wait. Stop. Pause. Before we get to Running <laughs> with the Wind... You know, I have to say this, but these cops, these cops crack me up because, <laughs> you know, when they discovered that the Starlight Girls were missing, you know, Jericho goes to the police and the police are like, oh, no, we can't help you, lady. Bye. But then these two cops are just rolling down the street, right? They're not even going anywhere. They're not looking for anything. They're just rolling down the street and they happen to see Mick and Ramon. And one of them is like, hey, wasn't that Mick and Ramon back there? And the other one's like, 
Yeah, they're probably getting some poor kid in trouble. And then they turn their car all the way around to go back and harass Mick and Ramon. What is what is the police training in the city? Like, I have to know. I have to know because it is just like just, you know, they're just like, oh, that's Mick and Ramon. They must be up to no good. Let's go interrogate them. Like, isn't that against their constitutional rights? Uh, right, because why... because they have to be caught in a, in the act of doing something illegal. Right. Before just... you can't you can't just go and you know even with someone, if someone has a criminal record and they do time and get out of jail, you yeah you can't just I mean they have to do something illegal for you to to stop them. You can't just go and harass people. Right. So I just but, th- but maybe these are just two renegade cops. You know, that's, <laughs> it is the eighties, right? <laughs> But, you know, but then later on, they're like, we wanted to help those kids. I'm like, I don't believe you because you were just harassing Mick and Ramon just based <laughs> on what you think that maybe they were going to do. We never got the cops' names, right? It would have been like, I bet one of their names is Malone or something. <laughs> You're a loose cannon, Malone. You're off the force. <laughs> I could believe it. I could believe it. See, and I think that this might be why Gem and the Holograms do not trust the Popo. Like they never call the police when the pol- when police calling is warranted. They never do. Right. And I now I think we understand why because the police do not care when small children are kidnapped, but they do care when they see Mika Ramon on the street doing nothing but standing there. There's a rejected script of this episode where the where Gem and the holograms uh, actually contact the police for help, but uh, uh, they end up uh, sort of just putting it off, putting any investigation off because uh, they were at the uh, the Dunkin' Donuts. um maybe maybe it was like they were in the pilot program for whatever that tom cruise movie ends up being where there's the pre-crime and they they go to catch the people before and and so they had like the radio connection and and precursor to tom cruise is like these guys are are gonna commit a crime or you know whatever and and so that's that's what this is Mm-hmm. It's all minority report up in here. They, they went to the same academy that uh, that the, the guys from the police academy movies went to. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. So, running like the wind. What did the two of you think of the song and the video? I like the song, but given the context of the video, like the video is just like <laughs> okay. There's, there's not right. really much going I mean, on. I like other than people it. running through well, an alley. It's, it's right? appropriate. They are running like the wind, and it's a good song. <laughs> well sung. You know, and and Jen is getting her high note on and whatever. But I do have like this, you know, in the middle of the song, Jen is like in Deirdre's room, holding a picture of Deirdre, singing to her, crying and saying, it didn't have to end like this. We could have found another way somehow. If only you would talk to me. And I'm like, lady, <laughs> she tried to talk to you and you slammed the door in her face. Like, just yeah. literally was like, get out, boom. So don't be singing your boohoos. Nobody here cares about your boohooing. But the rest of the song is great. Yeah, because in one of the previous episodes, didn't uh, didn't uh, Jerrica say, Deirdre, this is a private conversation. Slam. Yeah, it was, no, it was Gem. She was Gem at that point. She was having that Oh, it was Gem. Well, either way. And literally, it was just like, boom, like right in the girl's face. And then they ran away. Like, that's literally what made her run away, was her trying to talk to Gem and Gem being like, I don't have time for you. So don't don't come singing your boohoo's over here, Jim. But Jerica slash Jim is li- hmm, well, she is self-absorbed, but she doesn't know she's self-absorbed. Like like yeah. she thinks. See, that's almost even worse than owning right, her, like your own. Uh... Like pizzazz, pizzazz knows there's no illusion. You know, pizzazz is yeah. like, yeah, I'm gonna get mine. I don't care what I have to do. But that's why I don't mind her because she's not as pretentious. She knows she's an asshole and she owns it at least. Whereas like Jerrica's just like, I'm a wonderful person. I'm taking care of all of these foster girls and like blah 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 and and but really she's just she's just absolutely oblivious to anything but Jim Jerrica synergy Rhea. Like that is what she thinks about all the time. It's true. And you know, it's interesting because throughout the the three seasons on this show, Jerrica and Jem are both like humbled several times or like put in situations where they realize their own bullshit. And yet they continue. They have short term memory loss. They do. 
Yeah. I think it's all those laser shows that are just frying their brains. <laughs> oh, radiation from lasers or something. There we go. Yeah. There we go. Well, after the video, we see Mick, Ramon, Danny, and the Starlight Girls uh, who try to escape via the alley behind the store. Danny manages to help the girls jump the fence, but a stack of conveniently placed crates collapse, which causes them to collapse on top of one of the police officers. The police officers were not hurt and managed to arrest Mick and Ramon. I just thought was that was a little ridiculous with the whole the, the crates collapsing and stuff like that. Like, who keeps, <laughs> who keeps like 50 crates stacked perfectly in the back of an alley next to the store? I, like, I do I mean, believe that those if, crates come from uh, animation... Uh, scenery limited <laughs> i was gonna say like it's every every movie and every cartoon that has like a cd back alley it's mm. always full of crates always yeah. yeah it's storytelling 101 yeah you gotta have crates Mm-hmm. Well, later at Haven House uh, Benefit Soundstage, Jem is doing a soundtrack when social worker Jim Sobieski stops her. Jerrica pleads to come back later in the evening and promises that the missing girls will be there. Sobieski concedes and leaves. Rio consoles Jerrica as she feels completely powerless in that situation. Totally understandable, but again, it's kind of her own It is kind of her own doing. Because she's been very neglectful. Yes. So this dude just like, oh, well, they'll be here tonight. Well, then fine. What are you talking about? Right. First, they said that they weren't missing. And then they're like, oh, they'll be here later. Why are mm-hmm. you here now? This guy is not doing his job. He's just no. like, oh, well, they'll be here. Well, then I guess I'll come back. What? Right. I have a theory. What if he doesn't really even work? <laughs> He just, he's just like, I don't know if either of you have seen that episode of Seinfeld where like Kramer just shows up to work at that company, even though he doesn't really work there. Like that's what I'm envisioning this guy's Seems doing. Seems plausible. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and they can't fire him because he never really got hired in the first place. Well, and what I don't understand, and, and I can't remember if we talked about this during the last episode, but I don't understand how these kids are supposed to know that they're supposed to go to this concert. Like, Right. Like, their whole plan is they'll hear about the concert and know how much we care about them and show up. Right. Divine inspiration. Like, the the hand of God is going to touch them. And in that hand, there's going to be a little flyer about this benefit concert. And it's going to... <laughs> It's going to let them know. Absolutely. And this is, uh, it, it is silly because this is pre-internet, right? Pre-social media. I mean, this would be way more plausible in 2015, right? Because all these all these girls would be on Twitter or Facebook or something, right? And they would hear about it. And also this concert, I mean, it's just so ill-conceived. I think we did talk about this the last time, but you know, they didn't This have entire a- series is ill-conceived. <laughs> well, this concert didn't have a headliner until a week before it happened. And it's in, like, a giant stadium. They didn't sell tickets to any kind of stadium show in the time that they had. They just didn't. Like, no. So, yeah. Like, where are they? Like, who was doing the marketing? Like, and these kids weren't watching Lindsay's show while they were running like the wind. So I just don't know how they were supposed to know about it. Um, but, you know, but Aline's comment about the hand of God turns out to be kind of true. So right. That's why it's hilarious. Totally plausible. <laughs> well, let's move on. Deirdre, Chrissy, and Bonnie go for food and drinks and pay for Danny's portion. He offers to pay them back because he doesn't want to and I uh, quote, sponge off of anybody. Deirdre suggests that Danny stay at Starlight House, but the rest of the Starlight girls say he can't because it's for girls. Being a prideful young boy, Danny says, I'm a guy. I can look after myself. But everybody needs help, even a boy. Danny can't keep running forever. The restaurant waiter eavesdrops on their conversation and suggests that Danny talk to somebody about his situation and hands him a card. And that card, I believe, was for Haven House, right? Mm-hmm. Right. No, I think he actually hands him a flyer for this for this concert, or maybe it's oh. just like a flyer for Haven House. I I can't remember either, but yeah, it's like it's just for Haven House. It's like coincidence. The hand of God shows up in the form of a waiter, which is you know I actually that's kind of fitting because they always do say that you should always be kind to like beggars and people who come to your door asking for things because they might be angels in disguise. And so this time, the angel in disguise was the guy serving their burgers. I guess my question is, in this largely, you know, densely populated metropolitan city, are there only two orphanages? Like, just Haven House and the Starlight House, and that's it? 
whatever fake San Diego they're in has to be the size of a postage stamp because they get everywhere really fast. There's no traffic. You, you, when the Starlight Girls left Starlight House, they left walking and showed up somewhere that same afternoon. It's not a big town. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, we cut to the misfits arriving at the red carpet and a reporter stops Pizzazz and asks if they think they have a chance to win the best new group award. Ever so confident, Pizzazz says they can't lose because there's no competition. And she's right. Mm-hmm. It's true. And let's give a shout out to Bobby Stark, who must have gotten over his throat ache or whatever he had before, because he actually made the misfits some really awesome dresses for mm-hmm. their uh, music awards appearance. Like those dresses are actually quite awesome. Yep, I agree. On point. Deirdre, Chrissy, and Bonnie take Danny to Haven House. Dance stops to speak with them and asks if they're all runaways. She tells them everyone is out at the Haven House benefit concert and invites them to see Gem and the Holograms. So they all head to the show. At the benefit concert... No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. So... So nobody is at Haven House. They just happen to catch dance <laughs> in like the driveway or whatever. And she's just like, oh, well, no one's here because we yeah. all abandoned the place because obviously no, no runaways are going to come. Right. You know, like, the runaway house is closed because right. we have a concert. Right. Or aren't the two of you starting to see a pattern, a ridiculous pattern here of <laughs> just like happenstance? Happenstance and also neglect. Happenstance and neglect. Neglect stance? A delicious combination. <laughs> I don't know. Combined with the hand of God. Right. It's a gem episode. At the benefit concert, Jerrica is backstage and changes to Gem, just as the missing Starlight Girls show up with dance. Happily reunited, the holograms head to the stage to begin their performance. Just as the show begins, Tekrat unleashes his electronic jammer, which interferes with Synergy's projections. Gem runs off stage just in time before her true identity is revealed. How many times is this going to happen? Every time. Probably a- another million. <laughs> right? Like... Every other episode, it's like interference, satellite interference, you know, water. Well, I mean, to be fair, the I, I, I buy the electronic jammer thing is more plausible, I guess, well, in yeah. this scenario. But it's, just, it's, it's so deliberate and, and it's localized. It's just weird. It's weird that these things keep happening. Well, you know, an excuse for the something exciting happening that they got some some nefarious plot that they have to get out of, right? Elsewhere, at the Music Awards, the Misfits are announced as the winners of Best New Rock Group. Pizzazz heads to the podium to give her acceptance speech. After the award show, Pizzazz and the Misfits get in a limo with Eric and demand that he takes her to Sofer Stadium so she can brandish her prestigious award at Gem. Now, Tempest, I have a feeling you have something to say about Pizzazz's speech at the ceremony. I love this speech so much. I feel like Pizzazz inadvertently inspired Kanye West. Like everything about Kanye West is explained by watching this <laughs> this scene. Because when she goes up to accept the award and she won't let the others touch it either. Like that's the best part. It's like she won't let Roxy or Stormer touch it. She's like, it's mine. And then she says, I'd like to thank the awards people for having the good taste to give us this award, which we so definitely deserve. And I'm like, that is the best. <laughs> like that is, but it's so Kanye as well. I feel like Kanye has given that exact speech at some point when he. Yeah, it's such like a, a slightly underhanded like compliment. Right, but, but it's, it's also like, of just, course we deserve. Of course we deserve it, and like that's that is one of the things that is delightful about Pizzazz is that she owns her awesomeness. She is like, we totally deserve this because we're amazing, and it's good that you recognized it. And now we're going to take our award and go rub it in the face of our competition. Like, I love that. I love her in that moment. It's awesome. And this is also the last award they're ever going to win. So they really need to savor it. Aw, spoilers. <laughs> Back at the Haven House concert, Danny discovers Techrat and takes the electronic jamming device away from him. As all things return to normal, the holograms are able to head back to the stage and perform their final number. And we get a Gem in the Holograms music video, of course, to wrap up the episode called Friend or Stranger. What did the two of you think of the song and the video? Go, Tempest. I love Friend or Stranger. <laughs> oh, God, I love this song so much. This is one of those songs I just listen to all the time. And I'm like, woohoo, and I like do a little swang action. 
Um, and you know, it's a concert video. Everybody loves a concert video. But it's, it is weird and creepy that everybody holds hands and sways yeah. in the same way. Oh, I don't remember yeah, that. Oh, yeah. Really, it's not That's okay. some weird kumbaya stuff. It is, right it is. But it doesn't take away from the fact that, like, this song is actually really good. I think it's a good song, but... Yeah, and with Tempest, like, the holding hand swing thing is weird. And it's it's just really kind of a standard, like, um, we are the world type 80s ballad type thing, you know? like Yeah, there's, there's not really a whole lot that's that's going on in it. But uh, did anyone notice her outfits? I Oh, my God. So let me tell you, I <laughs> love, 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 lovey love the outfits that they wear to this concert. It's like Shane's designs that were in that other episode, that dumb episode, um, I was not on. Like, I didn't think that they looked that good. But these designs are really great. Like, they have really good colors and, like, the cuts on them are all really good. And they all, like, complement each other. Like, it's exactly what you would want out of, like, you know, your girl band um, fashion choices, you know. So I really, really, really love, like, so go Shayna for, like, designing some outfits I can be behind. Now, yeah. were these the, the pink cowgirl outfits? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, after after the cowgirl outfits and after the fashion show, the fashion contest outfits, these these were a marked improvement. You can't go downhill from there, right? <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. That is true. Just to wrap things up here. So after the uh, the show, or I guess just as the concert is wrapping up, uh, we get to see Pizzazz finally show up with her award in hand, of course. And I thought this was a fantastic way to end the episode because she is just utterly in complete shock. Um, you see her and she's just like, I can't believe the expression on her face is like, I can't believe that they're actually playing right now because the plans of sabotage have gone completely wrong. Of course, like usual, but it's just the look on her face that we've never really quite seen that before. And as the camera sort of pans down to her, I believe it's her left arm. We see her just drop the award because again, she's just in total shock and the award crashes to the ground and just shatters completely. I guess it wasn't made out of metal. Like, aren't most awards fairly? I guess that was made out of strong, shattered but... glass. That that was some cheap glass that they made that award out of. But I think you know, <laughs> it wasn't the Emmys, no. right? So I mean, I guess I think it was all symbolic. You know, like you know, Pizzazz shows up to rub Jem's face in the fact that they won this award, but then she discovers that Jem is suffused with the glowing light of friendship and everybody is holding hands <laughs> and Pizzazz has a moment, one of her few moments of realization that her petty schemes and fancy clothes and her award are all meaningless in the face of beautiful stadium infused friendship. You know what would have been great after episode 14 after she has this kind of this moment of this sudden realization you would think that maybe in the next episode she would have some you know major sort of rethinking to do about just what she wants to do with her life because this is <laughs> like her behavior isn't sustainable right it's not healthy yeah no but no but it it is one of the <laughs> few moments where it's like oh Somewhere in that wizened heart, Pizzazz has like a little bit of of humanity and compassion and like ability to feel something other than selfishness, which is nice because I didn't know that about her until now. So I'm kind of glad that there's at least a little piece that is capable of not being a colossal jerk. That's basically it for this episode. Did the two of you have any other closing thoughts about this that uh, that you wanted to throw in now? Does Danny come back or was this the Danny show? I don't think so. I think and now we'll get to the actually maybe we should just jump straight into trivia because there's some Chris, multiple Christy Marks comments here, but we didn't mention how um how it, it there's this like hint of Rio taking Danny under his wing, which I think will really, really work out well for Danny in the long run after coming uh, from an abusive home. Yeah, I don't know about that. Rio's, <laughs> yeah, Rio, the Rio's, the, Rio's a world class role model, isn't he? 
Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I think that we know what's going to happen to Danny is that Rio's going to take interest in him for like a good five minutes and then drop him when there's some more gem drama. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's going to be sad. And we and we I don't believe we ever see Danny again. Like so many people, it's like and they were never heard from again. <laughs> I just hope that Rio doesn't show Danny how to handle electrical things. Because remember what happened in the pilot? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. But we know that Rio, going on later episodes, at least he knows his way around a synthesizer and how to build them. He seems he seems fairly competent in that area. So I don't know. Maybe maybe he's got I mean he's got something to contribute. Mm, I guess so. But Danny, <laughs> Tempest Danny is so much better, like at Haven House. I'm sure, like dance will actually take him in, and there will be some beautiful moment where he's like, "I've finally been part of the plot," but he will not have any more plots to join. I mean, maybe there's fan fiction about Danny and uh, Deirdre who's going to abandon him. One thing I do want to say about the end of this episode, uh, other than the thing about like Pizzazz um, and her realization that everything is meaningless, is that I really like like how the song at the end of the episode goes into that last bit of dialogue, because, you know, like the song sort of ends, but then, you know, people are still like swaying and whatever. And, and uh, Eric and Roxy have that little exchange where she's like, Oh, I thought you were going to ruin the concert. And he's like, Arr. and, and then like Zaz has the, the award in her hand and she lets it slip from her fingers and it crashes and the music is still like sort of playing. And then the music ends and the episode ends and it's just like all this really nice little button, which is one of the like nice things about this episode is that the way that they like, you know, sort of like wrapped everything up quite nicely and with the music and stuff. I really liked that about this episode. I didn't like, though, that CPS continued to not do its job because like the guys are like, oh, look, those three girls. Well, I guess they're back. <laughs> Case closed. Those are the only three girls at the concert. Clearly. And I'm like, could he investigate why they ran away? Maybe Jerrica whips them in the night. Maybe they're afraid of lasers that mysteriously come through the walls and it kills some of them occasionally. Maybe that's <laughs> worth uh, looking out for. Like I said, he really doesn't work there. Let's move on to trivia. The place where Mick and Ramon live says Mark's Girls School on the side, as in a reference to the series creator, Christy Marks, which I did not catch the first time I watched this episode. Uh, it's actually revealed that uh, Roxy is afraid of heights, and I think that's the the first time they mention that. One of the uh, one of Christy Marks' favorite lines, apparently, and this I guess this must be from the DVD commentary, but she she says that one of one of her favorite lines is when Eric says to Tech Rat, "You let Pizzazz loose with a laser gun," which I also thought that was a really hilarious line because it's so true. Christy Marks wanted to make another episode with the character Danny that would explore why he's kicked out of his father's house. It was going to be a story about an alcoholic father. She had written an entire detailed outline about an episode that would deal with kids who have alcoholic parents and how they deal with it, but she couldn't get it approved by the network, unfortunately. That would have been interesting to see. It would have, actually. Yeah. But, and also, you know, quite honestly, like, yes, it would have been, you know, good for kids to understand that and to understand, like, they're not alone and whatnot. But nobody turns on Jim the Holograms to watch uh, little boys in their troubles. That's true. That could have been a really good G.I. Joe episode, though. Well, Christy Marks apparently was uh, careful not to make a false happy ending about the serious issue of Runaways, which I think was a good call. Apparently, she had spoken with a person who gave her permission to use a special toll-free number in this episode uh, as a help number for any kids that wanted to call in and talk to someone about running away from them. Apparently, it was like a national runaway hotline or something that they could call, and that number was featured at the end of the episode. But anyways, after... After the episode aired, they got hundreds of calls from kids who were uh, eventually helped uh, and returned to their families, which is uh, a really nice thing. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's super awesome. I do really love how Christy Marks, you know, had this, you know, passion for talking about um, kids who are, you know, in danger or marginalized or whatnot. And so, you know, integrating uh, the Starlight Girls foster home into the show which was not originally part of you know Hasbro didn't put that in there she put that in there and then having this episode with you know the runaway kids you could tell it was all like really important to her 
And I think that that's just really awesome that she was able to to put those issues in a show that isn't always explicitly about issues. Like every now and then they would have those those little PSAs at the end of episodes, and every now and then they would have the episode that was very explicitly like kids don't do drugs. But mostly it was just about like people you know with holograms. So I just thought you know I think it's really great that she's able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she definitely took a personal interest in that. Which is great, and you know that's. I think that's a, a rare thing, and I, it's something that I mean. It's not like I, I'm super familiar with modern day children's programming, but I don't think that's something that's really done now. Well, that's it for this episode. And does anyone know what we're doing next week? Why, yes, <laughs> it's the Rock Fashion Book. Yay, the Rock Fashion Book. The youth, the vibrancy of American <laughs> rock fashions. <laughs> And once again, Bobby Stark will have a chance to impress us with his fashion he designs. But will he be able to? Aline. Yes. Can you prove this week that you're not a Cylon? I cannot prove I'm not a Cylon. I can't prove that I am a Cylon, though. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I think ultimately we should just let our listeners decide. They can write in and tell us what they think. That's like Schrodinger's Cylon or something like. <laughs> Schrodinger's Cylon, I like that. Do you know Tell you open... Don't open me up. Like, no. But, like, <laughs> I don't know. This analogy is already falling apart. <laughs> Just like this shit. <laughs> Aww. Uh, no, I'm referring to the cartoon. Oh, okay. I was like, our podcast is awesome. Yeah. Well, where can people find you on the interwebs? And is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, You can find me on Twitter at Aline. It's A-L-E-E-N. I also have a Patreon, um, patreon.com slash Aline. And I um, have the Patreon because I have this cool little show podcast podcast show. No way. You have a podcast? I do. Nobody's doing that. I know. Yes. It's so unusual. So I have this podcast I do called Less Than or Equal, where I talk to cool people about their um, cool projects and what they're passionate about. And Tempest, can you prove this week that you're not a Cylon? I can't be a Cylon because I'm still an AI hologram generating computer with lasers that I cannot control when I need to use the bathroom really badly. <laughs> So no okay, coffee well, shops with Tempest. No coffee shops. You must need an immense source of power. Where, where do you get your power source? And please don't tell me it's an AC outlet. <laughs> but why not? I just You just plug me right into the wall. What, what if somebody trips over the cord? Then everybody's screwed. But maybe they won't die from being hit by one of my lasers. So it's a win-win. Well, I hear you have a website and you do things online. Is that correct? I do some things online. I, I write the stuffs and things. Uh, I have a website. It's ktempestbradford.com where I sometimes blog or rant about things. And then... I'm the issuer of the Tempest Challenge, which you can learn about if you go to challenge.ktempestbradford.com. Or you can follow my nefarious uh, adventures on Twitter. I'm uh, at Tiny Tempest on Twitter. And you should follow the Gem Rewatch. It's hashtag Gem Rewatch. Every Monday, 5 p.m. Pacific, I watch the episode in preparation for this podcast. And I live tweet my feelings about the episode. And sometimes those feelings are very hilarious. And this week involved a lot of screenshots and stuff. So you should definitely check out the Gem Rewatch. And I can confirm if you haven't read those tweets, she does have feelings about this. I show. have so many feelings. That's very true. <laughs> so why don't you tell everyone what, what the Tempest Challenge is? You might as well. Oh, all right. Well, the Tempest Challenge is basically where I'm like, hey, you know how certain types of authors get all the mainstream attention, like 90% of the mainstream attention, and there's only 10% of mainstream attention given to authors who are not straight, white, cisgender, heterosexual males. I say you should spend a year reading all those other authors who are not white, straight, cisgender males. So that is basically what my challenge is. And there are videos. If you um, go to challenge.ktempestbradford.com, you will find a playlist of my videos where I suggest some books that fall into the Tempest Challenge. Um, and there's going to be like a bunch of new videos in August, like just a slew of them. So if you want to see uh, all videos, you will be able to see so many very soon. You know, there was an article recently to derail us a little bit. I think it was yesterday, actually, that made me think of the Tempest Challenge, which was um, 
a female author um, sent out a, sent out several queries under um, a, a male pseudonym and um, queries to agents and received a lot more positive feedback than she ever did using her actual name. And I was like, hmm, you know, we need we need to get more people on board with Tempest's year of reading, not white, cisgender, straight dude works. I, I absolutely think you should always seek out new writers, uh, new people to read. I know it's very easy to to fall into that. Um, well, it's not even falling into that trap of, I mean, it, it's fine to like who you like, but I think it's also important to give new people a try, regardless of their gender or ethnicity or, or whatever. But yeah, there are plenty of talented people that just never really see the light of day. And, you know, I'm just generally curious about that. Like where, if, if you're a reader and you want to find, I mean, other than just going to the Tempest Challenge, how does one go and, and find these people? Because I, I know, and like, and I have friends who have published books and they're not successful, really. You know, they, they publish books on, on Amazon and whatnot, and you can get them in the Kindle store, but there's not really one central place where you can go and easily find new people to read, right? I mean, there's like services like Goodreads and stuff like that. That's okay, I guess. But like, like, where would you suggest people start? I just say start at Google, um, only because people love making lists of books that you should read. Like it is, I think, probably the fifth most popular thing that people love to do on the internet, right behind looking at pictures of cats or videos of cats. <laughs> so if you, and just like go to Google and just type anything like best uh, science fiction written by LGBT authors. And you will find that people have made lists of that best fantasy written by women of color. There is somewhere there's a list of that best mystery by Hispanic men, uh, not named Jesus. You will find that. So really um and the the kind of book sites that do that kind of thing a lot are you know say buzzfeed goodreads actually can be like a really good source of stuff as long as you find your community right because you could easily just just like any social network you could it's easy to sort of be in this this social circle where you're you're all following the same types of people right and you might not see really like a diverse a diverse list of, of different different books to to pick up but but google is definitely your friend in that instance because there's always somebody somewhere who has come up with a list of books that you can read and even if it, you only find like two or three lists then you have a place to start if you have not taken a moment to uh give us a rating on itunes please please do that because it really does make a difference uh you can go to itunes and give us a rating or leave a comment or both and what that does is it just keeps pushing the show up the list because there are about a billion different podcasts. So the more people that, that rate us, the better for the show. And uh, you can also donate to us uh, by going to gemcast.tv forward slash donate. Uh, we have some predefined uh, donation tiers as we're trying to upgrade some of our audio equipment. Or, of course, leave us uh, any amount you wish. There's an option for that as well, a buck or two bucks or whatever you want to give. That's totally awesome. Also, you can leave us a comment on our feedback form by going to gemcast.tv forward slash contact and uh, leave a message for any of us. Whether negative or positive, it's always good to hear both. That's it for this week, and we'll see you next time.